Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Let's jump straight in. Tech Guide. This was a real effort to push into that growing consumer space, very competitive space in Australia. It does give the user plenty of options, whether you're working or viewing content on the device. Keeping you updated and educated, this is the Tech Guide Podcast. Knowing Apple, you just don't know what to expect. They've gone from taking an excellent device and they've made it even better. It's had a redesign inside and out. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello and welcome to episode 180 of the Tech Guide podcast, the show that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer news, products and opinions. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. And you first timers, welcome aboard. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. And Happy New Year. We just landed in Las Vegas for the Consumer Electronics Show, the biggest tech show on earth. And we'll be looking into the crystal ball this week to predict, predict the tech trends that we'll be seeing this year. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the Bridge Air keyboard for the iPad, the Nespresso by KitchenAid machine, and the VTech cordless phone that's also a home security system. And we'll wrap things up as we always do with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's brought to you again this year by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. Plenty to get through, so let's jump straight in. Well, we are here in Las Vegas for the Consumer Electronics Show. This is the annual event, kicks off early January every year. That's why as soon as New Year is uh, is done and dusted, I jump on the plane and head over here. This is a huge show where companies time their major product announcements for this particular show. We've got all the big players in town, Samsung, LG, Panasonic, Sony, a lot of car companies, GoPro, all the companies that produce any type of electronic device will be here, with the exception of Apple. Apple have never been to CES, and I predict never will be to see, come to CES. They march to the beat of their own drum. They have their own events. They have their own chain of stores. So they've pretty much locked up how they want to do things. But for everyone else, this is the Super Bowl week for tech shows. It's for companies large and small. A lot, a lot of uh, a lot of small products have have had their first appearance uh, at this show. And, and even in the past, we've seen major technology announced here, like the first DVD player, the first Blu-ray player, the first high definition TVs. So all these major landmarks, and, and I've been attending the show this is now my my 12th year of coming to ces i've seen plenty of changes over the years now the show kicks off on wednesday which is thursday back in australia and the day before what normally takes place is what they call media day press day and what happens there is that every major company has a as a press conference starting at uh, 8 a.m with lg and then on the hour a new press conference throughout the day culminating at the end of the day with the Sony press conference, which is held actually in their booth at the Las Vegas Convention Center, which is where the Consumer Electronics Show takes place. So really excited for a really interesting week. It's going to be a very busy week. I've uh, got a lot, a lot of work 
to do a lot of interviews, a lot of products to look and see and to write about for you, uh, for all of uh, my re- listeners and for my Tech Guide readers. We're looking forward to a big week. Uh, but in, in a moment, we're going to take a look through, though, the tech trends that we can expect to see. But uh, in the meantime, be sure to tune in to Tech Guide every day, techguide.com.au. That is where I'm going to be writing all of my stories. Uh, I'll be, I'll, I'll, my next podcast, episode 181, I'll do at the end of CES to give you a full rundown of what we see. But on a day-to-day basis, I am covering tech, uh, covering CES pretty, pretty thoroughly on Tech Guide. So all the latest news, all the latest product announcements, you can read them all at techguide.com. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenning. Tech Guide, keeping you updated and educated. Okay, yes, so we are here in Vegas and uh, there is uh, a lot of excitement in the air, I have to say, there with a lot of expectations for this show. Uh, it is it is a year, I think, where we're due for some revolutionary products rather than evolutionary products. And there usually are some tech trends that emerge. The, the show normally has a lot of themes. Uh, a few years ago, it was 3D TVs were big. And then a couple of years after that, then we're looking at drones and things like that. So there are definite trends, definite paths that, that are obvious here at CES. But we're going to go through some of them now and the things we can expect to see uh, we'll start with virtual reality now VR has been around for a little while and we, we've kind of seen prototypes and and, a, and early early product views of products that uh, offer this virtual reality and there, you know, Samsung have already released the Gear VR their third version of that as a matter of fact so Samsung's already invested pretty heavily in, in the virtual reality world but you've got companies like Oculus which is actually now owned by Facebook, would you believe? You've also got Samsung, who uh, have I mentioned have already got some investment in the Gear VR, but Sony, and in particular the play, their PlayStation brand, is going to be uh, entering the VR space with the PlayStation VR. So that will be released this year sometime, the first half of 2016, we're predicting. Same too for Oculus. The Oculus Rift, we're probably going to see a consumer version of that uh, in the market in 2016 as well. But other companies like HP, HTC have been working away at a, at a virtual reality headset, which includes a very high-quality screen. Now, with, with the Samsung version, which, which we've reviewed on Tech Guide earlier, you use a Samsung smartphone inside the headset. So that provides the screen for your virtual reality experience. What that does is then cut down the cost. The Gear VR is only $159, where you're looking at maybe an Oculus Rift or the HTC device, uh, the Microsoft, the the HoloLens, the Sony, uh, the PlayStation VR. They have... The, the screens built into the device. So they've got 3D screens, very high-quality screens in there so that when you're looking at the virtual reality image, you're looking at 3D, you're looking at very high-quality, high high-def, perhaps even 4K quality, and that's obviously going to add to the price. Uh, so expect to see, I'm expecting to see plenty of VR here at the show, uh, and with that, you're going to see things like augmented reality, which is where you, and I reviewed the Viewmaster on Tech Guide, and that kind of taps into VR as well as augmented reality. What augmented reality is uh, when you're looking at a particular image through a lens, whether it's a VR lens or through your phone's camera lens, uh, there can be a, an animation appear uh, on that on that object. 
So you can then twist it around and look at it. That's going to be something we'll see a little bit more of this year. 360-degree videos as well. Uh, they're going to allow you to allow them to be easily viewed on these VR headsets as well that are going to be in a lot of people's hands in 2016. Moving on, let's talk about uh, self-driving cars. Now, the CES has year-on-year year included more automotive uh, manufacturers. We're talking your Mercedes-Benz, Audi, Ford, Tesla, BMW, you name them, they are here. This is becoming as much a motor, motoring show as it is an electronic show, and with good reason because the advances in technology are, are fascinating not only to the people in attendance at this show, but to everyone around the world. How many of us have all got have got cars? A lot of people are interested in, in the technology uh, in, in a product that we use every day, which is our car. Uh, and in this case, what they're showing off at CES, what they will be showing off once again, is the latest version of their self-driving cars. Now, th- this technology exists already. It's being honed every year, and we are getting closer to an intelligent car that can do the driving for you. Some of them have the technology to do it right now. What's standing in the way are some laws, state to state, country to country, that don't allow the car to be controlled on its own, so that the driver has to have their hands on the wheel, has to be in some kind of control of the vehicle. But there are there is technology today, like, for example, the Tesla Autopilot, that can drive for you uh, in high, on highway conditions. So it can see the street marking, the lane markings. Uh, it can see the cars ahead of you. can speed up, slow down. It can do everything that you want it to do. So expect plenty of news on that front, as well as connected entertainment systems, information systems that, uh, that will make the cars more intelligent than ever before. So uh, this is the CES Motor Show as well this year. Moving on, uh, we're going to see a lot more around the Internet of Things, the smarter homes. We've had smart homes already, but I think this is going to get even smarter. And the ease in which we will be able to connect these devices on our improved Wi-Fi networks, uh, that's only going to improve. So it hasn't, uh, a lot of people are still a little bit intimidated by installing these kinds of devices in their homes, but it's going to become even easier for people to do that. And with the aid of our smartphones and tablets, which are kind of the remote controls of all these systems, that's also going to help things along as well. But what we're going to see as well is the smart home automation uh, which is something, it's not kind of a, a niche industry at CES. We're talking companies like Samsung and LG and major companies that have a play in this Internet of Things world, which is quite going to be quite a lucrative market in the years to come. With that in mind, you're going to see things like, uh, I think LG, part of their new WebOS 3 system, is being able for you to display your smart hub on your TV screen. So imagine being able to control uh, devices in your home through your connected television so it becomes a central station in your home to to see how long there is on your washing to turn off lights to turn on your security system to see who's buzzing the front door these are the things you're going to see and when when we set up smart homes we're, we're, we're going for uh we'd like we, we, the the goal of a smart home is things like security convenience and energy saving and comfort these are all going to come but what what is going to be we're going to see in 2016 is 
is the ease in which that can now be controlled and set up. So smart homes are here. You're going to hear about a lot more of the smart home products that we can easily integrate into our homes on our Wi-Fi networks as well. Kind of following on from that, I think the wearable market is going to be uh, going to also be pretty big in 2016. These products connecting not only to our devices, our smartphones, but also to our networks. You think about how a wearable product can give you a, a little convenient little located device that can help you do things in your home. You know, control your lights. Uh, you know, of course, take your notifications and everything from your smartphone. But the information that the wearable gathers, and I'm talking smart watches, activity trackers, the wearable gathers information about you, health and wellness information. So, for example, it may sense that you're you're uh, cold or feeling hot, and it'll adjust the temperatures accordingly. So it'll be that intelligent, so it can think, okay, he's a, Steve's a bit hot. I'm going to turn the air conditioning up. So without me having to do anything, that that's just one example of how that information that these wearables can gather is going to be incorporated even more even more closely in the smart home in the smartphone home ecosystem now moving on to drones drones are again they're going to be pretty big this year and you know, we've seen the major players, the DJIs and all these other companies with their with their drones. I think what we're going to see are drones that are kind of, at the moment, we've got the toy drones and then at the way up the other end are the more advanced drones, which cost a lot more money. I think what you're going to see is a product sort of in the middle of that, in the middle of that, those marks where it's, it's not quite a toy, but it's not as expensive as some of these more expensive products, but it will offer excellent photography tools and will give you the same benefits as a much more expensive drone will offer. There's also going to be a lot more autonomous drones. These are drones that don't are not controlled by the user. They just follow the user. There's a sensor that the user wears, maybe whether they're in, in the surf or on a run or skiing, and the drone will follow that person. Uh, another thing to note too is that this is the year we're going to see a drone from GoPro. GoPro, the company who, uh, of course, with their famous action cameras, the Hero 4 action cameras, they are going to be releasing their first drone this year. So I'm hoping that we can catch a glimpse of that at CES. Also, in, uh, some other trends we're going to see, you know, streaming services it was a big landmark year for Australia 2015 with the introduction of Netflix and these other subscription video on-demand services. We're going to see even more of that, more 4K content, uh, and we're going to also see some interesting announcements from Netflix themselves. So they do have a presence here at CES. I am attending a roundtable with Netflix and hopefully talking to them uh, this week as well, hoping uh, to hear more about their plans for Australia, hopefully bringing us in line with the volume of content that they're offered in, in the US, uh, as well as exciting new original content that they're going to be releasing. But also stand by for announcement from YouTube. YouTube, who have set up their video sharing services years ago and have already the mechanism in place for a really uh, a, a, a pretty decent subscription video on demand service can also be conducted through YouTube as well. Because you think about it, we've got YouTube on our phones, on our computers, even on our smart TV. So it's already there. Uh, they can, they too could step into this game and uh, claim some of that lucrative subscription video on demand service market as well. Uh, lastly, of course, smartphones are always on the improve. This year, we're going to see the iPhone Seven, the Galaxy S Seven. Alcatel, Alcatel One Touch Idol 4, 
the LG G4, a lot of uh, phones that we're uh, looking forward to seeing. But the device itself, we're going to see it become more of our uh, of being used more often in the in smart payment situations. So Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, it's going to be a lot easier for now to use your phone as your wallet. Uh, it'll also continue to be the remote control of our lives, of our smartphones, of all these things that that we use in our home. The smartphone's going to be the remote for all of that. Expect to see obviously thinner, lighter, faster phones, but even flexible phones like flexible screens, curved screens. We're going to see a bit more there. Maybe edgeless phones where the screen actually continues around the edge of the phone. Not quite like the Samsung Edge. That's slightly different, but. There's plenty of people who have come up with concept drawings of various products, including the iPhone 7, and there is just a lot of potential to change the device as we know it with this new screen technology. But anyway, I've rounded all that uh, information up about all those tech trends. If you want to have a read through all of that and take a look at some of our images as well, and we've done that at techguide.com.au. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the internet security company that helps keep you and your family safe online. And today we live in a world where cyber criminals are working overtime to find new ways to steal your personal information. There are people whose full-time job it is, is to seek out this information. So we have to protect ourselves. The team at Norton is dedicated to keeping people safe online, no matter how they connect. So whether you're paying your bills on your phone, shopping on your tablet, or banking on your laptop, Norton's latest internet security Security solution, Norton Security Premium, is working behind the scenes to keep your information, your identity, and your devices protected. It also comes with secure PC cloud backup, so you can back up and save your personal files, photos, and videos, and other memories that live on your devices. For more information about Norton Security Premium and how to protect your online life, check out au.norton.com. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennig. Alrighty, first up, first review for 2016 is the Bridge Air keyboard. Now, there are plenty of keyboard accessories that exist for the iPad, and you know, a lot of them are included in cases, and they don't kind of offer the kind of the, the sort of quality that comes with uh, when you buy an iPad or Mac. You know, they they come with uh, anodized aluminium carved out of one piece of aluminium, and they're very high quality premium products. So naturally, you'd expect the same from an accessory if you wanted to use it with this particularly attractive product. Bridge Air is one such product. This is a keyboard that's made of the same anodized aluminium as the iPad. So it matches. You can actually match the Bridge Air, which works with the iPad Air 2 and iPad Air uh, 1. And they're available in gold, silver, and space gray to match exactly the color of your iPad. And it is a full physical keyboard made out of that aluminium. It has a special swivel clip so that it actually, your iPad slides in and is protected. There's silicon on the inside of that hinge so that uh, there is no scratches and no danger to the iPad. Holds it very firmly in place. So what it does, it turns the iPad into a, a little mini MacBook. And when it's closed, it closes exactly uh, to the same, it's exactly the same size as the iPad Air or iPad Air 2, and it looks like a little MacBook. 
So if you're the sort of person who has, has an iPad, loves using their iPad, but wants to be a little bit more productive with that iPad, the Bridge Air keyboard can help you do that. It's got a physical keyboard, so it's got a six-row keyboard. Uh, and has all the all the keys. The only thing you won't find on the keyboard is a trackpad because you, you can use your finger on the touchscreen if you want to do any navigating. Your finger on the touchscreen is all the trackpad that you need. But it does have a full six six row keyboard, so it's even got dedicated. It's got a dedicated home key. Uh, it's got all the keys you'd expect to find on your laptop. A little bit smaller. It's not quite a about. It's about probably seventy-five to eighty percent size of a regular laptop keyboard, and the keys are spaced well enough apart for you to type really easily. My only gripe was the delete key was this, was almost the same size as every other key. Normally, the delete key on a on a tablet, uh, sorry, on a, on a laptop is much bigger, and it's really it's hard to miss the delete key. But it did take a little bit of getting used to finding the delete key. But if that's the only problem I had with the Bridge Air uh, keyboard, then uh, I was pretty. Impressed impressed with it. The keyboard itself weighs about 520 grams. Uh, so even when it's attached to the iPad in the closed position, so when you close it, it closes up on the screen and it then protects the screen. And the actual, the, the that in itself is still pretty thin because the iPad Air is very thin. The Bridge uh, Air keyboard is also thin. So it's still a pretty thin and light package for you to carry around. Now, there is an onboard battery on the keyboard. It is uh, It can be charged. When it's fully charged, it will run for up to three months before you need to charge it again. Also on board are a pair of stereo speakers. Now, when you've got your iPad in, connected to the keyboard, uh, in the hinge of the keyboard, the speakers on the iPad, you've got to remember, are on the bottom. So when you connect the iPad, the speakers will be on the right-hand side. So you're only getting sp- sound out of the right-hand side. So what happens when you pair the keyboard, you can also choose to pair the speakers so you're getting stereo sound uh, out of the base of the keyboard. So the sound's a little bit more, a little bit better, a little bit more consistent. So it gives you a keyboard as well as a pair of stereo speakers as well. Now, it's not cheap. It's $199, the Bridge Air keyboard, but it does offer the sort of quality that other keyboard accessories really don't offer. It's also available for the iPad Mini 1, 2, and 3, and they're working on a version for the iPad Pro. If you want to check that story out, my review is at techguide.com.au. Now, I love my coffee, and any opportunity to uh, to review a coffee machine, I went, yeah, what the hell, I would love to do that, and that's exactly what I did when I uh, took a look at the Nespresso by KitchenAid. Now, KitchenAid is a, a well-established appliance brand, kind of a, uh, a very well-respected brand, but offers retro, very stylish products that are very popular on their own. Now, imagine the excitement when KitchenAid decided to partner with Nespresso to create a coffee machine. And that's exactly what they've done with the KitchenAid by Nespresso. It has the same retro looks. Uh, it's made out of die-cast metal and available in, in onyx black, candy apple red, medallion silver, and almond cream. So that's four colors. I had the silver version here at home, the uh, medallion silver. 
and it has a uh, a lever, so it's got a manual uh, control for the uh, to insert the Nespresso pod. So you uh, lift up the lid with uh, with the handle, put in the pod, and then boom, you pull the uh, lever down again, and it will then put the pod in place. Uh, at the back, there is a 1.5 liter, 1.4 liter removable water tank. You do need that water uh, to, to be pumped through the system. Uh, under the hood, there is a stainless steel heating element. So what what impressed me about this was that it, you, it really made the coffee, it brewed the coffee at exactly the right temperature. I like my coffee on the hotter side, and that was something I found the uh, KitchenAid, uh, Nespresso by KitchenAid, really delivered the right temperature for my coffee. I've tested other coffee machines, including uh, the Latissima Touch, these other machines. At times, I find the coffee's not hot enough, and, and I've had to put the, the, the completed coffee with, with milk and everything all mixed together in the microwave for 20 seconds just to get it to that right temperature, but that wasn't the case with the uh, the Nespresso uh, by KitchenAid. Uh, in, uh, it's also got a 19-bar pressure pump, so it gets every ounce of uh, coffee out of that little pod. You get a nice little layer of crema at the top. If you just like a little shot of espresso, uh, it does give you that authentic experience. Controls couldn't be simpler. There is just one knob on the front with a button so you can easily adjust the size and strength of the coffee you want to make. There is also the Aeracino, which is the uh, the milk frother that comes with the product. Now, it ha- it is separate to the main unit, so it sits on its own beside the unit. And it needs its own power supply. So I, I found that was one little gripe that I had with the machine was that to have the Aeracino and the, uh, the the machine, I had to have two cords going into a power point. So what I did, I had to get a double adapter. And from the double adapter, I just had a short extension cord so that I could keep all the cables close to the machine in the kitchen. And let's face it, kitchen space is very hard to come by. It's very valuable, your kitchen space, your kitchen bench space. And so I kept the cables close to the machine and just had that little extension cord going to the to the single power point. Um, this isn't this machine isn't small. I should add it, it is it is uh, uh, it does take a little bit of space on your bench. It. it it is about 33 centimetres tall, so you do need a bit of space to fit it right there. It's 20.8 centimetres wide, so it does have a decent footprint. Not massive, but decent size to begin with, and that does include the Aeracino, which can be placed anywhere that you have that space. The KitchenAid, uh, the Nespresso by KitchenAid, it's $799, so a tad on the expensive side, but I tell you what, this makes excellent coffee every time, uh, and the Aeracino did a good job with my, I like having my my coffee with milk. I like having a latte, and this pumped out a decent latte every single time. You want to read my full review? You can do that at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. Next up, we're talking about a, a cordless home phone, the VTech VS150. Now, this is a cordless home phone with a difference. This is also a security system as well. Early, we spoke about the smart homes and how security is one of those objectives of having a smart home. Well, the VTech VS150 has a base station with an answering machine. It's got a separate handset as well, so it's two handsets in total. But it also comes with a two contact sensors, which can be attached to any door, any window, or any gate. And so that when they, the door is open or closed, you'll receive a notification on the handset itself on the base station, or it can send it to you on your smartphone from the machine. 
and you can add other sensors apart from the two contact sensors you get in the box. You can also add a, a garage door sensor and a motion sensor. You can add up to 30 sensors to the VS150, as a matter of fact, and the sensors that come in the box are actually prepared to the base station. So there's no fiddling around with wireless bay, Wi-Fi networks or anything. They are they are connected to the base station. They have a wireless connection to the base station in the same way that a secondary handset has a connection to the system as well. So really easy to set up. Now, when, you do, when the door is open or windows open, you do get the notification on the handset, on the base station. And if you're not home, you can even program the machine to send a notification to up to three mobile numbers as well. Now, the device, the VS150, has uh, the, the handsets are, are quite attractive. The, the, each handset actually looks like a like a mobile phone. So they've got the full keypad on the handsets themselves. Has got a directional key, a nice big bright screen, which is easy to read. They can also store up to fifty of the latest sensor reading. So if uh, you can look back through and see what time doors and, and all these alert messages came through, so you can see when and where each sensor was triggered. Now, for those of you who are concerned that you've got pets at home, don't be. The VS150 has a pet immunity setting on its motion sensor. So what that means, it will ignore small and medium-sized pets that generally cats and dogs that weigh less than 25 kilos. And if they're in your house, they're normally a smaller dog or cat anyway. And this, they will not be picked up on this system. So they can roam freely. But anything bigger than 25 kilos is going to get noticed by the motion sensor. Uh, it's really easy to install dual antenna system that the uh, the hand on the phone side that has this dual antenna system extended range with uh, you, you can talk to each other within the house on the handset so you can use them like a little internal intercom system as well you can transfer calls between handsets you can even have a three-way conference call so both handsets and external call you can do that as well you can store up to 50 numbers remember the last 10 numbers dialed uh, the answer machine can store up to 22 minutes of messages uh, uh, and each message then has its own time stamp and date stamp as well. The VTEC, is, the VS150, is priced at $259. And don't forget that includes the base station with the answering machine uh, and a separate handset and those two contact sensors. The garage sensor and motion sensor are available separately, priced at $55 and $80 respectively. So pretty reasonable way you can easily not only obviously get a good cordless phone system, but also a smart home security system at the same time and for even when you need to buy those separate sensors, it is pretty cheap in the bargain. You want to read my full review of the VTEC VS150? Check it out, techguide.com.au. The Tech Guide podcast is also sponsored by Netgear, the company, the number one Wi-Fi company. The new Netgear Nighthawk X4S, that's their new AC2600 Wi-Fi VDSL ADSL modem router. It's perfect for connected Aussie homes. You think about it. This latest addition to the Nighthawk family is a high-performance piece of equipment, and it's built for today's Aussie homes with lots of connected devices. So it's built for streaming, for gaming, connected homes with lots of devices. The Nighthawk X4S, otherwise known as the D7800, it delivers AC Wi-Fi 
Wi-Fi speeds of up to 2,600 megabits per second and supports both ADSL and VDSL connections. It's the first modem router on the market to support the latest Wave 2 Wi-Fi technology with QuadStream on both bands and multi-user MIMO, that's multiple in, multiple out capability. This means maximizing connection speeds for faster streaming, faster gaming, and less buffering when we're viewing our streaming videos. So if your household loves streaming Netflix, loves online gaming, and has multiple devices, check out the new Nighthawk X4S Wi-Fi modem router from Netgear. Search D7800 at netgear.com.au. Tech Guide. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Our Tech Guide helped us this week. We had an email from Rob asking, uh, I have been unable to assess the risk of having my contactless credit card from being scanned by criminals. Is there a risk? And if so, should shielding devices be used? So we're talking about RFID credit card safety. Now, for those who don't know what we mean, with the, the, the payment methods we use now, those contactless payment systems, where you wave your card in front of the terminal to make your payment. There are some criminals who can actually scan your credit card, charge your credit card, buyers up to up to three meters away from you. So all they need to do is walk close to you, and it's possible for them to scan your card. So with that, they get either can either take a payment, or they can take some information, your ID, your card number, things like that. So it is a, it is a danger. It does exist. Not a widespread problem, but it's there. And there has been quite a market for companies that release these new RFID blocking devices, whether it's a wallet, whether it's a small shield that goes around your credit card, whether it's a, a hard case that can help prevent your cards being scanned. They, they do work. They are readily available. And this problem, as I said, it does exist. It's not a very common problem, but... As technology evolves and as more of these of more of more payments are being made using this system, then people, some criminals unfortunately are going to see this as an opportunity. So you are going to see a lot more RFID blocking devices, whether it's a wallet. They do market them for that particular that very reason. They block RFID. So if no one can skim your pocket, can can scan your card, whether it's sitting in your pocket or in your bag. These these products do exist, and it, depending on how much you want to invest, or depending on how much protection you want, you can either get uh, have a a smaller RFID protection that actually it's actually a small envelope that sits so your credit cards can sit inside that small envelope. Whether you want to have your whole wallet protected, there are wallets that can protect this as well. Whether it's a special RFID leather wallet, or it's lined with a special material, or there is even a lot of hard case wallets that. Uh, made out of hard plastic, so that, that, that's very hard to scan through that type of material. But look, for, to answer your question, Rob, uh, if it is a worry for you, then I'd suggest investing a small amount of money for an RFID shield. Is it going to happen to you? Probably not. But if there is one of these criminals near you and you do have RFID protection, then you're going to be safe. So uh, that, that is our help desk question, our first for the year, RFID safety on your credit card. Definitely worth considering this year, considering the amount of smart payments we're going to be making with our phones, with our credit cards, and so many more of these contactless terminals are around. So people need to take care. If you're worried, 
it doesn't hurt. This is a, like a little insurance policy to protect your car, to protect your information. You're listening to Tech Guide. And that is our show for this week, our first show for this year. Happy New Year. We hope you had a great Christmas. You can read about everything we've talked about here at uh, techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can either send us an email, info at techguide.com.au, or maybe uh, tweet me. My uh, Twitter handle is at Stephen Fennec, and that's Stephen spelt with a PH. Uh, give me a shout. Say good day. I'll always reply if you send me a message. A special thanks, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs and Norton, the company that helps keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. It's been great having you with us once again. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.